Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job, and you can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens. He is a co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll be talking about public education here in Florida. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. There's certainly been a lot of changes with regard to uh, health care since this COVID episode. We'll be speaking to Michael about that. Seton Motley is a founder and president of Love's Government. He says that Americans who create things seem very worried about uh, Biden Incorporated. We'll find out why. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is February the 25th, and on this day in 1964, 22-year-old Cassius Clay knocked out the oddsmakers by dethroning world heavyweight boxing champ Sonny Liston in the seventh round in a technical knockout. The dreaded Liston, who had been twice demolished former champ Floyd Patterson in one round, was an 8-1 to favorite. However, Clay predicted victory by boasting he would float like a butterfly and sting like a bee and knocked out Liston in the eighth round. Liston complained of an injured shoulder, failed to answer the seventh-round bell. A few moments later, a new heavyweight champion was proclaimed. Cassius Marcellus Clay Jr. was born in Louisville, Kentucky in 1942. He started boxing when he was only 12 years of age, and by 18 it had amassed a record of over 100 wins in amateur competition. In 1959, he won the International Gold Gloves Heavyweight Championship title, and in 1960, a gold medal in the uh, light heavyweight category at the Summer Olympics Games in, in uh, Rome. He turned professional after the Olympics and went undefeated in his first 19 bouts, earning him the right to challenge Sonny Liston, who had defeated Floyd Patterson in 1962. On February the 25th, 1964, a crowd of only 8,300 spectators gathered at the convention center in an arena in Miami Beach to see if Cassius Clay, who was nicknamed the Louisville Lip, could put his money where his mouth was. The underdog proved no bragging fraud, and he danced and backpedaled away from Liston's powerful swings while delivering quick and punishing jabs to Liston's head. Liston hurt his shoulder in the first round, injuring some muscles as he swung for and missed his elusive target. By the time he decided to discontinue the bout between the sixth and seventh rounds, he and Clay were about equal in points. A few conjectured that Liston faked the injury and threw the fight, but there's no real evidence of that. For goodness sake, why would he do it? To celebrate winning the world heavyweight title, uh, Clay went to a private party at a Miami hotel where he attended uh, with his friend Malcolm X, an outspoken leader of the African-American Muslim movement known as the Nation of Islam. Two days later, a markedly more restrained Clay announced he was joining the Nation of Islam and defended the organization's concept of racial segregation while speaking of the importance of the Muslim religion in his life. Later that year, Clay, who was a descendant of a formerly enslaved person, rejected the name originally given to him by his family uh, and became Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali would go on to become one of the 20th century's greatest sporting figures. As 
much for his social and political influence as for his prowess in his chosen sport. After successfully defending his title nine times, it was stripped from him in 1967 when he refused induction to the U.S. Army on the grounds he was a Muslim and minister and therefore a conscientious objector. That year, he was sentenced to five years in prison for violating the Secret Selective Service Act, but was allowed to remain free as he appealed the decision. His popularity plummeted, but many across the world applauded his bold stand against the Vietnam War. In the 1970s, he was allowed to return to the boxing ring. That was in 1970, and the next year, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the draft evasion conviction. In 1974, he regained the heavyweight title in a match against George Foreman in Zaire and successfully defended it in a 15-round brutal contest between Joe Frazier in the Philippines the following year. That would have been the Thrilla in Manila. In 1978, he lost the title to Leon Spinks, but later that year defeated Spinks in a rematch, making him the first boxer to win the heavyweight title three times. He retired in 1979, but returned to the ring twice in the early 80s. In 1984, he was diagnosed with pugilistic Parkinson's syndrome and had suffered a slow decline of his motor functions ever since. He was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1990. In 96, he lit the Olympic flame at the opening ceremonies of the Summer Games in Atlanta, Georgia. His daughter, Layla, made her boxing debut in 1999. At a White House ceremony in November 2005, Ali was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom on June the 3rd, 1960, 2016, he passed away after a period of failing health. Muhammad Ali, in many ways, he is Forrest Gump. An amazing life that he lived and over such an important period of our history. Muhammad Ali. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said on Tuesday that Biden agrees with his climate envoy, John Kerry, that there's only nine years left to reverse climate change. That's right. He actually actually said that. When asked if the president agrees with Kerry's assessment that humanity will face an impending climate catastrophe if sufficient climate action is not taken in the next nine years, she responded, I don't have a new timeline to give you from here. I can confirm for you, though, that the president agrees with former Secretary Kerry that it is a crisis and the time is of the essence and we need to act quickly, and that's why climate is a key part of his agenda, she continued. It was on Friday that John Kerry said, I think it's a very appropriate way to think of it, so it's directly related to the warming, even as though your instincts is to say, wait a minute, there is a new ice age. But it's not. It's coming from the global warming, and it threatens all the normal weather patterns. <laughs> he actually said that. The science told us three years ago that we had 12 years to avert the worst consequence of climate crisis. We are now three years gone, so we have nine years left, said Kerry. If, even if we did everything that we said we were going to do, we, when we signed up for in the Paris Agreement, we would see a rise in the Earth's temperature to somewhere around 3.7 degrees or more, which is... Catastrophic, he said. The numbers Kerry were referencing originate from a 2018 report from the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, which a bunch of junk science, anyhow, which initially said that humanity had 12 years to reverse the course in order to prevent global temperatures from rising 1.5 degrees Celsius three years ago, have passed since then. The ultimate goal is to have a net zero carbon emissions across the world by 2050. 
The data has been exaggerated by activists, however, and the 12-year period provided in the report does not indicate that the planet will be destroyed if the entire global economy is not overhauled by then. Rather, 2030, the report suggests that economies must be on track to reduce carbon emissions. This is just, this is, uh, again, fake science. The president says, I'm going to base everything on science. Unfortunately, it's not on real science. It's on fake science. Some more scientific information. Johnson & Johnson's single-dose COVID-19 vaccine works safely, the U.S. Food Drug Administration said, paving the way to authorize a third vaccine in the U.S. as early as this weekend. The vaccine was 66.1% effective in preventing moderate to severe disease and appeared safe, the FDA said Wednesday, and the shot also showed tantalizing signs of slowing the spread of the virus. J&J's shot would be the third cleared for the U.S. as health authorities picked up the pace of vaccinations and tried to lock in gains, reduce daily cases, hospitalizations, and deaths while staying ahead of any new variants that may threaten to evade the treatment. Health authorities have been looking forward to adding new COVID-19 vaccine to their arsenal. J&J's shot wasn't quite as effective as the late-stage trial is in their pair already in use, but it works safely by a number of measures, the FDA said, after reviewing 44,000 subjects studied. J&J's vaccine met the pre-specified success criteria for the study, the FDA said. What would be a single-shot vaccine mean for your outlook on the pandemic? Pretty amazing. Johnson's uh, health experts say people should hold out for the other shots and, and should get the J&J vaccine if it is authorized and offered because it provides protection, especially against severe disease. Aside from effectiveness, the J&J vaccine comes with advantages over the available shot that could help accelerate and broaden mass vaccination efforts. Unlike two dose vaccines in use, J&J shot requires just a single dose. Intriguingly, J&J released new information in an analysis that the FDA posted along with its own suggesting the vaccine may also help reduce asymptomatic spread of the coronavirus. The vaccine reduced infections that didn't cause symptoms in study subjects, J&J said. So there you go. More science. And still, uh, you know, Fauci and others want us all masked up. Take the vaccine, get the vaccine, and stay masked up. That's the, uh, that's the mandate uh, from the World Health Organization or from the uh, CDC. Unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Pastor Rick Stevens. He's a co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. He is a co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Always good to talk to you. You as well, Pastor Rick. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Florida Citizens Alliance is a grassroots organization made up of people that care about their children and their grandchildren and all children, really, because we want our kids to have a great educational opportunity. It's really cool to know things. And when children discover things and they know things that the rest of us know, their eyes light up. And so we want to try to help every child have that opportunity to have a good education that helps them thrive and develop their potential, and to see their eyes light up that, wow, they understand that. Now they know something. Yeah, and know, know something uh, aligned with the truth, too, because uh, just having yeah. an education that could be uh, affected by propaganda is not helpful. And I must say the Florida Citizens Alliance has done so much to improve the quality of education here in Florida in the last uh, eight or nine years, so I genuinely appreciate that. Now, I understand there's a, a, a lot of great things going on to help facilitate parental choice and school choice. Yes, there are a number of things that, that are working their way through the legislature, and uh, we're hopeful about several of them. One of them that we're, we're very confident is going to pass because of the way it was initiated is a bill titled Educational Scholarship Programs. It's now in the Senate where it originated. Senator Diaz filed the bill. We think it's a, a work of a lot of people's involvement. 
and that's what makes us believe that it's it's almost certain to pass. I can't imagine any reason that it wouldn't. But what it does is it combines five of the scholarship programs now into essentially two. There are two scholarships, the McKay Scholarship and the Gardner Scholarship. Each of those is aimed at helping children with special needs, and they do a good job, and uh, people applaud the the benefits there. Mm -hmm. They're not going to change those scholarships as we understand it, as we've seen in the bill. They're just going to combine them into one. Perhaps that'll make administration of them a little bit easier, more efficient, but we don't think they're taking any opportunities away from children. And of course, that's what we focus on. We don't want the kids to lose anything. The other aspect of the bill that's that's very consequential is it combines three other scholarships, the HOPE Scholarship, Family Empowerment Scholarship, and the tax credit scholarship. Tax credit scholarship's been around the longest of those, and it and the family empowerment scholarship as they currently exist are pretty much the same. They're funded a little bit differently, but they aim to accomplish the same thing. So those are being combined into the one bill. And then the HOPE scholarship is also being included in that final product, if you will, that's called the family empowerment scholarship. We don't think from what we've seen that they're taking anything away from any of the options that are available for students. We've been very careful to look at that. We think there are a couple of things that that we want them to give attention to to make sure there aren't loopholes. You know, those can be unintended consequences, and we don't want that to happen. Right. But the good part about that is that with the changes they're making, it looks like, from what we can understand about it, that the scholarship opportunities will be opened up to about twice as many kids, maybe more than twice as many, Hmm. because the income requirements for family qualification are being expanded. So that means many more kids would have an opportunity to use this great scholarship and find the school that they choose for themselves. And that's what really excites us about that. A couple things we want to be careful about, but if we can get it all worked out, and we're confident they will, then this is a great opportunity because it will give so many more children and their families the option to choose the education that suits them. That really matters. That doesn't matter indeed. And, and uh, so, just so I understand clearly, and for our listeners' benefits, uh, when we talk about scholarships, we're talking about uh, simply being getting funded to change schools or to change the venue for learning for a student uh, based on uh, certain needs. If, like, for example, I think the Hope Scholarship is based on bullying. Yes, that's right, and that's still available, and. It's really important for parents to understand this. Uh, uh, We talked to a parent just this week that had no idea about this and doesn't know how to get it. And based on their their story that they were telling us what happened with their child, the school on several occasions should have offered them the Hope Scholarship but did not. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing this happen. People aren't aware of it. But if your child is in a threatening situation, if if your child is being harassed by anyone at the school, it doesn't have to be just student on student, if they're threatened, harassed, intimidated, or bullied of any kind on the school bus, at the school bus stop, really any place they engage their public school, that qualifies them for the Hope Scholarship. And parents need to think about it this way. Yeah, I get it. It's really difficult to change schools because it disrupts what the children are learning. We all understand that's, that's a problem. But here we are, end of February, and guess what we ought to be thinking about next year? And if your child is having a difficult time, qualify for the Hope Scholarship and start them in a new, fresh, better learning environment next fall. Yeah, so Why what, not? 
What if a parent says, you know what, I'm just unhappy with the uh, school that my child is attending. I just don't think it's a, uh, it's a failing school. It's not doing well. Are there hope? Uh, is there hope for a parent in that situation? Yeah, sure there is. That's what this Family Empowerment Scholarship will do, ah. and that'll help them there. But there's also other opportunities, and if people will go to our libertyscholar.org website, we coach parents there about the opportunities and the possibilities. The more we learn about homeschooling and other types of uh, schooling, it's not all just home-centered. Some of them involve other other systems to deliver the education. But the more we learn about them, the more possible it has become for parents to, to choose the education they want for their kids. I know it seems like a huge burden to, to take on homeschooling, but there are so many helps that are, that are available. So if parents are thinking about that, I want to encourage them to go to libertyscholar.org and if they go to the section there that's titled Media, they will find a series of videos from mothers who have done homeschooling and who have learned a lot of the things that people need to know. They can coach them through, answer their questions, help them realize this is possible. So between those kinds of things, the other systems, and we're going to be announcing a partnership with another organization soon, that, that really does make learning at home accessible, and children can learn so much more and do so much better when their parents are involved and helping them at home. We really want to encourage people to give it a try. Absolutely. It is doable. Well, and I must say, too, whether whether we have kids in school or not, we should be taking an interest in public education. I mean, we actually pay a, over a billion dollars a year here in Cuyahoga County to educate kids. And, uh, you know, the more informed we are, the better choices we'll make with regard to school board members, and you can go down the line. So Liberty... Uh, say the, the website again is libertyscholar.org? Yeah. Yes, libertyscholar.org, and it's a, it's a great website designed to help parents understand their options. There's more information about the scholarship programs that exist in Florida now and more information about how they can make the best education possible for their children. It really can be done, and it's, and it's accessible to, to anybody these days. Well, I don't want to confuse the issue, but libertyscholar.org is the website. It's a resource uh, for parents, but also there's goflca.com is the website for the Florida Citizens Alliance. Check them both out. Very informative, and uh, again, uh, Pastor Rick, you and Keith are doing a fantastic job when it comes to improving the quality of public education here in Florida. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Pastor Rick. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. Michael is the he is the uh, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. 
Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. And uh, you, I think we're aligning ourselves with the Cato Institute. Cato Institute has many of the same objectives. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Uh, uh, did I get it right? Are we uh, pretty close in terms of our alignment? <laughs> that was pretty close, yes. Okay. Uh, it, it, especially if you started calling yourself a libertarian, Bob, then we'll know we've got you. Okay. So, uh, Michael, uh, J&J has now come out with a new single-dose COVID-19 vaccine. It works safely. There are some variances and interesting differences with regard to the two vaccines, Moderna and uh, Pfizer, that we have currently have. Just want to see if we get an update from me and how things are going. There has been a lot of positive news on the COVID-19 front. Cases are down. The vaccines keep racking up impressive data in terms of not just uh, preventing infection and severe hospitalization and deaths, but also at preventing transmission. Uh, there's, there's preliminary data that it does, that these vaccines do reduce transmission. That makes sense uh, because... Uh, but when you immunize someone from uh, one of these viruses, they can't build up as much. They, they can, the virus can attack their system, but it can't build up as much as it does in a uh, non-immunized person. And so these people just don't shed as much. That was a, always a, a very reasonable conjecture, but the evidence is coming in that that is, uh, that is proving true. There's evidence that even though there are new variants of this virus, uh, the one in the UK, the South African one, uh, the vaccines, some of the vaccines at least appear to be uh, successful uh, at stopping those new variants as well, uh, including the new J&J vaccine. Uh, or, or, uh, and so the, uh, 
the, the news is good, it really drives home the, uh, the, the, the importance of getting as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible, because that's really the, 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 the scariest news out there is that, to, from my perspective, is that the virus is mutating and these new variants do appear to be more highly contagious, if not more deadly. And the longer the virus is out there spreading rapidly, the, mm-hmm. the, the more times it replicates, the more opportunity there is for these sorts of mutations. And so that makes it even more important that we vaccinate as many people as possible. And so it's really good news that we've got so many of these vaccines that are uh, coming online that they are so successful and that we're getting better at uh, delivering them to people, although I think we still need a lot of improvement uh, uh, on uh, in, in that part of this, yeah. in that part of this fight. So, I mean, I think that we've got about 17 percent of the population that needs to be vaccinated has been vaccinated. Uh, uh, the NIH director, Dr. Francis Collins, stated that even after people have been vaccinated, we don't know exactly whether it's still possible for the person to carry the virus. It might be, and until we have better data, then we need to stay all masked up. <laughs> and Fauci says probably until 2022. I mean, when do we stop listening to these guys? I and mean, this just doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, they're really shooting themselves in the foot when they say that, because the most important thing, as I've been trying to emphasize, is getting people vaccinated. Mm-hmm. I would uh, uh, walk down to the drugstore right now if I thought I could get a vaccine myself. I've registered to get one. Both of my parents, who are in their late 70s, have gotten their second dose uh, of the Moderna vaccine. Um, I encourage them to do that. Uh, when we say that you won't be able to go back to normal even after you've gotten the vaccine, we're giving people a reason not to get vaccinated. Yeah. And that's the worst thing we can do. I think we should be giving people, uh, well, first of all, we should be trusting people, giving people information and trusting them to make the right decision. Right. Uh, but if we want to approach the masking issue and, and, and getting back to normal, you say, look, well, the important thing is we get vaccinated, and then if this works, then we're going to see uh, hopefully that we will be able to get back to normal. But vaccination is an essential first step. Yes, Michael. I mean, uh, we this J&J, for example, is 65% of effective. The virus itself gives us about a 99.1% chance of survival if we get the virus, if I'm not mistaken, something to that effect. And now this uh, J&J, for example, has, provides 65% of chance of effectiveness and in preventing us from getting the virus. I mean, the numbers don't even add up. It almost begs the question about why get vaccinated. What it does is it reduces the, uh, the odds of uh, serious illness or hospitalization or death by those very high percentages. Yeah. And what that means is even if, uh, you know, the, the survival rate is, it is 98, 99 point something percent. That's true. But among the people who who are in that uh, very small percentage, value, we can reduce that number by 60 to 90 some percent if we get people vaccinated. Yeah. That's a lot of people. That is that is tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people. That we, I, and even uh, actually, we've lost a half a million in the United States so far. We could lose much more if we didn't vaccinate people. And so we could be, even though it's a very small percentage, you're talking about a very large base of 330 million people. So we're talking about saving hundreds of thousands of lives. Yeah. 
and and the life you save may not be your own. Yeah, no. you may save yourself from a really awful illness. I, I, I mean, the the uh, inconvenience of getting the shot might be worth it uh, just for just to spare yourself even even a mild case of flu-like symptoms. Yeah, but I think I think you're but, raising the I think you're raising the but, right but question. The benefits are even greater than that. Yeah, see, to, see, I think you're raising the right right issues. To me, we should gather information. We should make good decisions based on our neighbors and our own personal health. So, in, in my mind, uh, we have this new vaccine, J and G. Is it the best one to take, or should it be Pfizer, or should it be Moderna? Uh, that's a decision I think that the person, the individual should make, not necessarily the government. And I think people should be asking questions about this. And the second of all, with regard to wearing a mask and other, uh, you know, I certainly socially distance. I just went through a major operation. I don't, don't want to get infected from anything. So I'm making decisions based on my own circumstances. I think we can all do that. Let's keep the government in its own lane. Let them make their own decisions based on the, the we've got enough problems that the government can handle. They shouldn't be trying to handle the problems that they can't. From the first time we discussed this, uh, I, I said that the role the government should be playing is providing us with sound, uh, evidence-based, reliable information uh, and, and trusting us to make our own decisions. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's probably the way to get to the optimal outcome, which is reducing the harm from this virus as much as we can. We can't eliminate it. Uh, but I think that you and I are on the same page about how we can minimize it. Uh, absolutely. Well, uh, again, I think our governor has done a terrific job, um, uh, uh, Ron DeSantis, and he's getting attacked on all uh, from all directions based on the way he's decided to keep the state open and allow people to make their own decisions. We're very fortunate about that. And I think it's probably true that, uh, you know, when you take a look at the statistics here in Florida, we're doing as well, if not better, than many of the uh, other states like California and New York. Uh, it does appear to be the case. And it has been uh, pretty amusing to see some of the attacks against Governor DeSantis. And, uh, I mean, based on the idea that uh, he's, he, he's prioritizing seniors for the vaccine because seniors vote. <laughs> yes. You know, there's something to say for that. And that's, that's why, say, you know, the, the Medicare program provides better access to health care than the Medicaid program does is because seniors vote in greater numbers than poor people do. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a great insight, uh, or it's not all that novel an insight, but, but, the, but it's just laughable, um, I guess predictable, but, but still amusing, that instead of spinning it as, oh, he's uh, prioritizing seniors because they are the most vulnerable and, yeah. and they're the most likely to die yeah. if they don't get vaccinated, uh, people are saying, oh, no, he's just doing it out of crass political self-interest. Well, you know, both could be true, <laughs> but I, I prefer to take the more charitable interpretation. Absolutely. Michael and you don't, punish, you don't want to punish your governor for doing no. you know, the thing that's probably... He's only going to just say something like that. He's doing a great job. Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. The website is cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. I hope you'll check it out. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be here, Bob. Thanks. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to just uh, do a shout out to Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much, sir. How are you? I'm well, Seton, and uh, for our listeners' benefit, tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and I just read where the nominee for CIA director said he's going to lead by speaking truth to power. <laughs> um, he is power. You're the head of the CIA, you idiot. So anyway, I, I just read that right before you called. Oh, so my goodness. Top of mind. Yeah, yeah, it kind of lightened up the day for you. I can hear that. So, uh, <laughs> what a moron. Um, yeah, so, so I know you wrote a column, which is really good. Americans who create things seem very worried about Biden Incorporated. Tell us about this. Yeah, the, the trigger for this for me was a letter from TV writers and music writers, a bunch of associations that represent these people, uh, wrote. It, it, it stuck out to me, too, because it was funny. They were saying to the Biden administration, please continue the efforts of the Trump administration, without saying, please continue the efforts of the Trump administration, because they didn't want to give credit to Trump. Right. But what they were saying was, is internationally, Trump did a world of good in protecting our intellectual property, and would you please continue to do so? And they don't, for the tenor of the letter is, they don't think it's going to happen, right. is... is one of the points I was making. Additionally, there was a round table of patent creators and patent experts uh, put together 
in writing at least, in November. And they seemed highly dubious Mm -hmm. as to the Biden administration's protections of intellectual property. And, of course, you look at the Biden administration and the people that they're choosing. Well, first of all, the two biggest groups of intellectual property uh, thieves are Communist China and Big Tech, Silicon Mm -hmm. Valley. Mm -hmm. Well, Biden obviously has a China problem. We now have Hunter Biden's emails and texts uh, verifying the $1.6 billion he got from Communist China after flying with Biden on Air Force Two. Uh, we we have verification with Tony Bobolinsky, his former business, the Biden's former business partner, right. that the big guy getting ten percent of the China deal, uh, the quote unquote big guy is Joe Biden. Um, so obviously there are some compromising complications with Joe Biden when it comes to communist China and whether or not he's going to be as thorny a problem for China as Donald Trump was. And then you look at the people Biden is hiring Mm -hmm. in the administration, the transition and the administration. It's a bunch of big tech people. A lot of them worked in the Obama-Biden administration. A lot of them are new to government in the Biden administration. But these are big tech people, including in in the transition team, the woman who invented the stupid term patent troll to try to undermine uh, the popular support for intellectual property protection. They made up the term patent troll to describe anyone who licenses patents who didn't invent the patent. Mm -hmm. Well, that's just stupid. Uh, The people who invent patents are kind of, you know, inventors are kind of interesting people. They don't make very good manufacturing CEOs. Right. So what they do is they sell the patents to something they invented, and they take the money and pour it into their next inventions. Meanwhile, the patent purchaser then licenses the patents, which is great for everyone on the planet, because now we all have access to those inventions. And then, of course, it's also good for the planet, because the inventor has more money. You know, the proven successful inventor has more money to work on his next inventions, which will then become products which we use and improve our lives. Um, the patent troll, they call those people patent trolls, which is absurd. Is Enterprise Rent-A-Car a car troll? No. Because they didn't make the cars they're renting. No, it's stupid. It's part of the system. It's part of the economic ecosystem. Right. And this woman was named a, tr- a key transition member in the Biden administration, this woman who invented the term patent troll. By the way, just as an aside, it looks like one of the Federal Trade Commission... Democrats that Biden's going to pick is the guy who invented net neutrality. You know, just good. throwing that uh, in there. Say, hey, so, see, see, let me just make this comment, though. Uh, you yep. talked about the being compromised to communist China. You talked about big tech. Let me just point out that uh, the way communist China has uh, made its way in the world and how big tech has made its way in the world is by compromising and stealing patents. Yes. <laughs> and, and, uh, and copyright stuff. And copyright um, stuff. Right now, there's a case before the Supreme Court. It's been heard. We're waiting for the decision any day now. Google stole 11,000. We talked about this. Google stole 11,500 lines of copyrighted code. Right. Uh, computer code from Oracle to, ba- to make their Android operating system. 
So they made a trillion dollars off this stolen code. And they were in negotiations with Oracle for licenses for the code, and then just one day decided, oh, we're going to release the Android and without the license, and we're going to stop negotiating with you. Yeah. Um, you know, I would argue that if, you've, if you were ever negotiating for a license, you've admitted you need a license. Absolutely. Addi- additionally, there was an email from a Google uh, uh, engineer who was asked by Google to find another way to build Android without using Oracle's code. And he came back and said, every other way sucks. His word, sucks. We have to get licenses from Oracle. That's what he wrote in the email. And so, yeah, and Google does this all the time because, of course, they're a trillion-dollar company, and these little inventors can't possibly fight them in court. So they basically have to give up their patent because they can't afford to defend it in court. And then, of course, we had the stupid patent trial and appeal board created in 2013 by stupid legislation in the patent office, which is which overturns 75% of the patents that are challenged. Google, Facebook, Apple all team up and, and file uh, PTAB charges against these little inventors. Right. And the fun part is the judges over these things are lawyers who represent Apple and lawyers who represent Google and lawyers who represent Facebook. And it's, it's, it's hilarious. An Apple lawyer will oversee a case against, you know, filed by Google, and Google wins. Yeah. And then the next case is a case filed by Apple, and the lawyer, Google lawyer sits on the thing, and, Google, and Apple wins. Yeah. What a shocker. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> it's just, it's, it's total, the system is entirely rigged against the inventor now, and we've got the Biden administration coming in, who, like he's doing everywhere else, Trump did a lot of good unilaterally at the, at the Patent and Trademark Office, undoing what Obama did, but unfortunately, because Congress couldn't get out of its own way, none of it's permanent, because Biden can come in and he's doing it. He's reversing everything Trump did. Uh, it's such a shame. You know, and uh, the fact of the matter is the PTAB board and all these, these are solutions for some of the bad decisions that the patent board made in the very first place. In other words, they were giving out patents that were, were not secure and making bad decisions. So... Uh, again, this is such important work and such an important point that you're making. Again, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. The website is lessgovernment.org, and you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. And please pardon Rufus, my dog barking at the pelican that landed on the railing. Not a problem. Thank you so much. Right there on the water, Seton Motley. Yeah, down here on the Paradise Coast, actually. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. 
To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, I'm, I'm very glad to be back on the show with you today uh, based on your uh, recent uh, uh, back surgery, and uh, you sound better than you ever did, for crying out loud. <laughs> Thank you. Well, fortunately, my vocal cords are not attached to my back, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the surgery was... A, and I understand that you and I have the same surgeon. Yes, we do. Um, and uh, Cologne is a... Uh, He's he's an amazing amazing surgeon. Um, um, I I I like him for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, he, he because he's he's just a nice guy. Number one, great guy. You know what I mean? He'll yeah. sit and talk to you. He doesn't rush you, and he listens to you. And um, he's got a great reputation. And obviously, you're a walking example uh, of uh, of his work. Yeah, I'm so grateful that uh, again. I've talked to so many people who have had problems after back surgery. Um, the only part of me that uh, has any kind of pain at all is around the incision and a little stiffness and so forth. But aside from that, all my appendages, everything works. And I must admit, you know, uh, here I'm um, laying in bed at 4 o'clock in the morning at 4.07, and who walks in but Dr. Cologne just to check in and see how I'm doing. <laughs> you know, and or at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, he's right. <laughs> checking in. You know, he's got to be one of the hardest working surgeons I've ever met. Yeah, I, you know, as I say, Bob, I, I was just so, um, I was so fed up at, at, um, I just could not shake this. I didn't even know what it was with my neck and everything, and I've never had any problems. And so, you know, going to my regular doctor first, and then um, another recommendation, and uh, ended up with Doctor Cologne, and um, uh, it was, it was great. So. Well, I'm I'm really happy for you. What's the long term prognosis on uh, when you'll be able to pick up that stick and hit it? As hitting the golf ball, I'm I'm thinking about the middle of May, probably. In the wow, yeah. In the meantime, uh, I've probably walked. I'd like to say I'm I'm sure I can't validate it, but I think I've walked more 
uh, in the last five days than I have in the last five years. In other words, wow. just uh, being able to stand upright, to walk. I'm just practicing trying to, to be straight up and up and down as opposed to bending forward, as which was my former. It's, it's based, based on habit, of course. So trying right, try right. to learn some new habits, but uh, no pain. I'm just so grateful. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's a blessing within itself, for sure. No question. Um, so what else have you been doing? You've been reading a lot of newspapers and uh, 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 listening to lots of news. Uh, anything exciting that you see? Well, of course, uh, well, there's a lot of exciting things going on. We have all these new uh, executive orders coming down from the President of the United States. But I want to check in with you on what's happening on Naples. Uh, any thoughts? Any, what do you see happening? Well, I, I see, you know, I, I see mixed, there, there's some mixed feelings out there. If you look at the, uh, at the newspaper, which I, I try not to, but um, yep. <laughs> if you look at the newspaper, they're saying the tourism is, is really bad this year. Um, the pandemic has certainly hurt them. And then on the other side of that coin, if you talk to uh, any realtors, okay, yep. um, and some restaurateurs, et cetera, the realtors, uh, I have a very dear friend, um, uh, Patrick O'Connor, and um, uh, we speak often. And, I mean, he's, he's busier now than he's ever been in his entire life. And he said, like other realtors have told me, you know, a house hits the market, it's, it's gone. And it's not only just gone, it's there's two and three bids on it. Mm -hmm. And so somewhere uh, uh, there's, 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 um, there's some crossed wires there now. Maybe one has nothing to do with the other. Uh, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the tourism or what have you. But people are certainly buying property in Florida, no doubt about it, and Naples as well, you know, obviously. Yeah, one of the things so, I, pred I predict uh, that actually uh, people saying, well, you know, people, the snowbirds are going to start going back in April, uh, typically. I, I, th I think basically people are coming down here and staying longer and longer, even more year-rounders. I think we're going to see... Uh, the season is spread out until maybe the first of June. Yeah, I I don't I I don't disagree with you. I think especially with the weather being nice and the and the horrendous weather that they've had all over the place, um, and the fact that Florida is open. I've talked to a lot of friends of mine uh, that live in different states, and um, uh, I mean the New Yorkers are just carrying on like maniacs. I mean they they say, look, you know, he's. He, he, you know, they can't get a haircut. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, uh, and here we are rolling along, and uh, we're none the worse of it, for the worse of it. Well, that's true. And although I do see some people continually uh, paralyzed by fear, <laughs> I see one of my friends, he's walking around, he hasn't had his haircut since this whole thing broke out. I, I'm, he's always masked up. I'm quite certain that he's trying to avoid any kind of social contact whatsoever. Uh, you know, quite frankly, some people are just going overboard with this thing. Well, and and it's true. I mean, we we were fortunate. We we got both our shots now, and um, um, but that doesn't mean we'll be any less careful. Yeah. You know, we wear our masks where we're where when we go into stores and everything else. And uh, um, but it's funny when we we've been out um, to a few different restaurants, and we've we see people out there and. Uh, and enjoying themselves but the other thing is is that you also see events where there are mass crowds they just don't they just do not care period <laughs> yeah, you know what i mean yes i do 
I don't think we're seeing any kind of super spreaders going on. Uh, anyhow, I guess my uh, the point is that people can make their own decisions about their health, and I'm just so grateful that we have uh, our governor, Ron DeSantis, who's made the decisions to allow people to make their own decisions, and he's actually said, you know what, if in fact a municipality or a governmental ed- entity wants to somehow put a, a, a mandate in place, it has to be approved by the governor's office. To me, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I don't I don't see much of that these days anyway. I think we're through with that. I think the the main focus now is getting uh the vaccines out. Yep. I see Johnson and Johnson's uh coming into the ballpark now and um uh I see they're ramping up the the numbers and um I'm optimistic that by spring and and summer anybody that wants to get one can get one. I think they were talking the other day real quick about people that didn't want them could screw up the the system. Well, the what I understand is apparently uh, herd immunity, They, someone anticipated, uh, and I don't have the statistics here in front of me, but uh, uh, we have, you know, what, 25,000 people who have been uh, have test, who have been tested for COVID-19. And I said, right. And uh, apparently 10 times that number have been exposed to it. So there's this thing called herd immunity. We have two, right. 350,000, 360,000 people here in Collier County. And uh, if, uh, you know, we have uh, 25, 30,000 who've been vaccinated and another 250,000 who have been exposed, the probability is we have herd immunity anyhow. Right, right. Well, time will tell, right? Time will tell, absolutely, Bill. So any good scoop in the city? Well, other, other than, you know, it's been it's been pretty pretty quiet down there um they 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 of course they canceled this the uh saint patrick's day parade yeah and the funny thing is bob i don't think it's funny but well maybe it is but you know that parade is really run by the saint patrick's day um parade people they they put that on and and uh run the whole thing but they're they're gonna have a boat parade that's gonna end up at key waden and i can't imagine what Key Waden Island is going to look like uh, <laughs> if they don't if they don't have some control down there and serious control? Yeah, because it's um, uh, it's, it's 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 just going to be a very ugly sight. So I'm hoping that they are they've made arrangements with the sheriff's department, et cetera, to, to to keep control down there because you can put a lot of people there. And uh, a, lo- a little bit of alcohol. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, might as well throw that in, right? <laughs> yeah. Again, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad, I'm glad you're doing well. Speak to you next week. Bye, thank, Bob. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you've enjoyed it. I had a good time. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman. He's a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Lots to talk about. Uh, Byron Donalds. Uh, one of our, our listeners said, you know, it's been a while since you've had Byron Donalds on the show. So uh, Byron Donalds is our uh, U.S. representative up in Washington, D.C. Always appreciate his commentary. By the way, he's showing up on Fox and Friends and just a number of news outlets. It's great to see. He's going to be a real spokesman, I think, uh, for conservatives. Phil Kirpin is uh, going to be with us as well as Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you'd like to be on the newsletter that I distribute after each show, again, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. (laughs) 
so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.